All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we're reviewing the play of the Falcons. Wide receivers in 2021 will be talking about whether Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones was the bigger loss, Russell Gage's breakout 2021 season, as well as whether or not the Falcons can upgrade the position this offseason via the draft or free agents. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Friedman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And, of course, I want to thank everybody that makes Locked on Falcons their first listen each and every day. Of course, Locked on Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. And, of course, also free and available on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked on Falcons YouTube channel so that you can watch the episode a few hours earlier than when the audio version of the podcast goes live most nights, at least, you know, probably not this episode uh, because I'm recording this late Sunday evening. uh, So it'll go live on YouTube on Monday morning, but most other nights, you know, the other four days a week uh, you'll get it, uh, you know, a few hours early the the night before. So check out lockdown Falcons there. Um, So today's episode, we are continuing our year in positional reviews this time, looking at the wide receiver group, talking about sort of the big storylines, talk about sort of Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, talk about Julio Jones. And we'll talk, talk about the offseason moves. And I think when we talk about sort of the biggest storyline for this position group, um, I think we're talking about the losses of, you know, receivers. Uh, and I don't like to be reductive on this podcast, meaning I don't like to sort of look at only one factor or one variable uh, and act like that's the only thing that matters uh, because it's multiple things that matter. But, you know, for the sake of argument today, I, I am going to be a little bit more reductive uh, to sort of drive this initial point home. And I feel like if we're being reductive, when we can sit here and say, what was the biggest factor uh, that was impacting why the Falcons offense was not nearly as effective this season as we thought it would be going into the season. And I think that was losing Julio Jones. Um, you know, I think it's easy to sort of look at Julio Jones's uh, lack of production this uh, past season with the Tennessee Titans and sort of dismiss that notion that I just put forward. But I think, you know, measuring his potential impact to the Falcons offense based off of his potential Im- or his actual impact to the Titans offense is a pretty flawed way of looking at it. And all you really have to do is look at how impactful Julio Jones has been for Matt Ryan, uh, particularly over the last several uh, years when Matt Ryan has had a first time offensive play caller uh, in, and we've seen Matt Ryan have some struggles. And I talked about this on the quarterback episode, but there is a tendency in those situations, whether we're talking about 2015 with Kyle Shanahan, 2017 with Steve Sarkeesian, 2019 with Dirk Cutter, or this past year with Arthur Smith is for Matt Ryan to tend to kind of focus on one guy because he's not necessarily confident or comfortable with the play calling uh, in year one. And he kind of just basically forces the ball to the guy that he knows is going to get open, you know, play call 
be damned or whatever the case may be. And not having Julio Jones uh, had a major impact on why I think Matt Ryan was not particularly productive this year and had one of the worst seasons he's had based off of various statistical metrics. And I thought, you know, throughout most of this season, he wanted that guy to be Kyle Pitts, but Kyle Pitts wasn't necessarily ready to step up into that role. And that's not a knock on Kyle Pitts. It's big shoes to fill. Julio Jones, potentially a first ballot Hall of Famer. You can't necessarily expect a guy to do that in year one. And then you probably sit there and say, well, no, Aaron, it wasn't Julio Jones. It was Calvin Ridley losing Calvin Ridley, you know, midway through the season uh, due to a mental health break that Ridley went on uh, starting in week eight. Uh, You would argue, hey, that was the biggest factor. And that's what Matt Ryan was missing. Although I would disagree with that. I think theoretically, yes, uh, losing Ridley uh, is a devastating blow because theoretically Ridley was the number one wide receiver, would be the guy that would be the guy that Matt Ryan would try to force the ball to in those situations. But that hasn't necessarily been the type of receiver that Calvin Ridley has been throughout his career, being that sort of guy that could win in those contested catch situations. And then when you look at the production uh, that Calvin Ridley actually had in 2021 uh, with Matt Ryan um, versus with the Falcons offense look like without him, you don't see a significant difference in the Falcons offense with and without Calvin Ridley. Like, for example, I've talked about this before. You compare what Calvin Ridley did down the stretch in 2020 in those final six or so games where Julio Jones was out of the lineup uh, to what he did at the beginning of 2021 in the back end of 2020, Calvin Ridley on an individual level was averaging like 14, 15 yards per reception. But in this first, in his five games, this past season only was averaging nine yards per reception. And then previously I've compared that to basically the drop off between Stefan Diggs in a pre 2021 uh, Russell Gage, and you look at Matt Ryan's adjusted net yards per attempt or Anya with and without Ridley this past year, and adjusted net yards per attempt is, is really a, a good metric to measure overall quarterback and offensive efficiency. And with Ridley it was 6.1, without Ridley it was 5.8, which is not significant. If you look at Matt Ryan's expected points added per play, uh, was fairly insignificant with and without Ridley in terms of that difference. It was slightly better, but you know, maybe would move him up one spot in the various rankings uh, at the quarterback position. Now, I do think you can make a a pretty good argument or a better argument that where Calvin Ridley's uh, loss impacted this team was when it came to explosive plays, not because Ridley himself was generating explosive plays, which was a beef I had uh, with Arthur Smith. Um, But when you look at how many explosive plays this offense in general was generating uh, with and without Calvin Ridley, with Calvin Ridley, in terms of those 20 plus yard plays, the Falcons were averaging about 3.4 in those five games that Ridley played in. And in the 12 games without him, it was 2.4. Now, one big play per game may not seem that significant, but that's the difference between essentially being the 20th ranked offense in terms of explosive plays and being dead last in the NFL. Um, and you know, my personal vendetta, I guess you could call it with Arthur Smith is due to the fact that when you look at that cutter led offense at the end of 2020 with Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage and without Julio Jones, uh, looking at their explosiveness, they were like the 14th best offense, most explosive offense in those six game stretch. And then when you consider that you're adding Kyle Pitts and adding Cordero Patterson that, and the fact that you went from 14th to 20th and you didn't improve on that is part of the reason why guys, I do not necessarily 
uh, praise Arthur Smith to the degree that I think some other people praise him, but we're not going to talk about that on today's episode. But I think when it comes to those explosive plays, really what Calvin Ridley was providing was his presence on the football field was drawing attention away or drawing attention to from the defense. And so that allowed guys like Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson, particularly in those early games where they had a, a number of big explosive plays uh, to get more of those one-on-one situations and take advantage of that. So that would be the argument I would make that having Ridley on the field in terms of generating explosive plays was more valuable. And you guys know that I don't take that lightly because, you know, I'm all about explosive plays being the key to success in this league. Um, And so because of that reason, you will hear me say things like I think the Falcons best chance of putting their best foot forward offensively in 2022 due to that notion is having Calvin Ridley back in the offense is tied to Calvin Ridley returning in this upcoming season. Um, And one of the arguments you can make against the point I've made about Calvin Ridley in terms of his impact on and off the field is that you can make the case that, you know, I'm basing this off of a very small sample size. And that's similar to another player that even though the difference in the offense early in the season with Ridley on the field and without Ridley later in the season wasn't significant. It could have been at least theoretically uh, the potential was there for it to be a much more significant difference because like Russell Gage, that other player that we're talking about, potentially Calvin Ridley could have been so much better in the second half of the season as Arthur Smith got more comfortable uh, with knowing how to utilize him as he seemed to do with Russell Gage and Russell Gage, as well as the rest of the receiver group is what we're going to get into as we continue today's Locked on Falcons 2021 wide receiver review. But before we get there, guys, of course, I want to thank you for making Locked on Falcons your first listen, but always have recommendations for your second listen, including the Locked on Braves podcast. Find out what the latest is going on with my cousin, Freddie. Unfortunately, I don't have the insights into that, but go check out the Locked on Braves podcast free and available in the same podcast platforms that you can find Locked on Falcons, including on YouTube. So it's a new year, which means people are coming up with new new year's resolutions and if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier built bar should be incorporated into your plan built bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar even better than a candy bar you know eating healthy can be boring it can be not particularly fun but built bar makes eating healthier fun and makes it easier to stick to your resolution because built bars taste good that you'll want to eat it even if you're not necessarily a huge fan of working out you can at least eat something that tastes great and is good for you because built bars are low in sugar carbs and and calories, as well as being high in protein and fiber. There's so many flavors to choose from. You got the tried and trues like coconut, almond, peanut, butter, brownie, cookies, and cream. You got limited time flavors like coconut brownie chunk, as well as others. Check out what's available at built.com. And when you do use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your order, that's locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. So Russell Gage and uh, also had an addition, uh, an interesting season in addition to Calvin Ridley this past year. You look at his season, it was very up and down, particularly early on, had zero catches in week one. Then he got hurt in week two, missed the next three games. Uh, then he was held without catches again in weeks eight and 10, that Dallas game. But after that point, uh, Russell Gage really put it on. But up to through that Dallas game, 
Um, you know, you would have looked at Russell Gage's production and he would have been on pace at that point in the season to have only 37 catches, 371 yards and, and only two touchdowns. But he actually finished with 67 catches, 770 yards and four touchdowns. And so when you look at those final eight games and extrapolate it for a full 17 game season, he would have had all, he was on pace to have over 100 y- catches, uh, nearly 1300 yards and six touchdowns. And, you know, that's production on par with Stefan Diggs. If you look at PFF's yards per route run metric, which is their wide receiver efficiency metric over those final eight games. Russell Gage ranked 10th in that metric uh, among wide receivers sandwiched in between none other than Debo Samuel and Jamar Chase. So that doesn't mean those stats don't necessarily mean that I actually think Russell Gage is on par with the Stefan Diggs, the Debo Samuels and the Jamar Chases. Uh, I'm only making that comparison because I, I do think people should recognize how well Russell Gage played in the second half of the season, which to certain Falcon fans will not be recognized because it doesn't fit the narrative that they were pushing all season long, which was, oh, Matt Ryan and this offense is bad because Matt Ryan has nobody to throw to. And people will just ignore the fact that Cordero Patterson, Kyle Pitts and Russell Gage were all very productive uh, in the second half of the season. If you really want to blame uh, the Falcons offensive struggles on anything, it's not the weapons that the Falcons had. It was the blocking that they had. But we'll get into that conversation, uh, you know, later this week. Um, So I think when we look at Russell Gage's turnaround, again, going back to potentially maybe Calvin Ridley could have had a similar turnaround had he not stepped away from the football team in week eight to deal with his mental health. Um, And you sort of look at Russell Gage's turnaround, you say, okay, what were the factors in why Russell Gage turned around? And the biggest factor is someone had to fill that Ridley size hole in the offense. So uh, when we look at number one, why did Russell Gage produce like that in the second half? It's not necessarily due to, a, you know, profound skill set that Russell uh, Gage suddenly tapped into is someone has to catch the football when the Falcons throw the football. And oftentimes that was going to be Russell Gage. If Calvin Ridley would have been, it would have often been Calvin Ridley. If Julio Jones had been there, it would have often been Julio Jones. If Muhammad Sanu had been there, occasionally it would have been Muhammad Sanu. But, uh, you know, I think the second factor uh, for why Russell Gage played so much better in the second half of the season was it did seem like, at least in my first pass of watching the film, and maybe it deserves a second pass as we get closer to free agency, as I continue to to, to comb the depths of the film to really get a, a better picture of this team, but I haven't necessarily done that yet, is initially it seemed like the Falcons were more willing to use those sort of three-by-one sets and those bunch formations to create more complementary route combinations for a guy like Russell Gage uh, and giving him some of those free releases out of the slot and out wide. Uh, for him to be more productive. But again, I'd have to give the film a second pass to really confirm that. But that was sort of my initial thought process. Unfortunately, even though that seemed to work for Russell Gage, it didn't quite work for Olamide Zacchaeus and Tajay Sharp. Now, you saw a decent stretch of games, a three-game stretch for Tajay Sharp from like week five to week three week eight. And then you also saw some solid games from Olamide Zacchaeus sort of sprinkled in the second half of the season. Um, But unfortunately, that wasn't consistent from either one of those guys, you know, you essentially at their best, they were performing on par with what you would typically want from a third wide receiver, uh, rather than someone that could consistently step up and be that number two, that they were kind of being asked to be, uh, with Ridley out of the lineup. And then you look at Frank Darby who had little to no, uh, impact on the offense. He only ran a total of 12 routes in three games and caught one pass, uh, this entire season. 
And that shouldn't be a surprise. I know a lot of people look at Frank Darby's uh, lack of production as a disappointment. I don't think that should be a huge surprise based off of your expectations. Because if you had listened uh, to what I had to say about Frank Darby in the scouting report that I did in the audio version in June, you can find a video version of it, or at least the on YouTube, the audio version of it also on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel. You heard me compare him to another player that did was not particularly productive in the NFL uh, was Riley Ridley, of course, Calvin Ridley's uh, younger brother. Um, but Riley Ridley was like a fourth round pick of the Bears in 2019 and did not produce particularly a lot as a rookie. And I talked about, you know, Darby was one of those guys that like Riley Ridley. And as I kind of predicted back in June, when I talked about Frank Darby and Riley Ridley, you know, Ridley would be out of the league. He got cut by the bears this past summer and hasn't caught on with another team and, and may not get another opportunity in the NFL. And I basically said Ridley's downfall uh, was he didn't necessarily have great separation skills and great speed and all these various things. And he also couldn't produce on special teams. And the key for Frank Darby was not necessarily my expectations that he would come in and be significantly better on offense than Riley Ridley was uh, that he would have to catch on the special teams. And I think Frank Darby did that. That is going to potentially buy him further opportunities that Riley Ridley never got. Um, And so, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Frank Darby was great on special teams, but I thought he did enough as a gunner on the punt team that he should buy himself a couple more bites at the apple, a couple more at bats in the future so that he will have the time to develop and maybe become more uh, than what he was this past season. You look at the Falcons, other wide receiver. uh, Again, I wouldn't necessarily hold my breath on Frank Darby becoming a fixture in the Falcons offense because ultimately I kind of think ultimately the best bet. I think his ceiling is probably higher than this, but more than likely you'll probably see Frank Darby, you know, not outperform what we've seen from Christian Blake over the years. That's kind of a similar skill set that I think Frank Darby has. And of course, Christian Blake didn't really contribute much uh, this past year. Now, here's the problem the Falcons face with their wide receiver core is all of those guys, for the most part, are free agents. Uh, Russell Gage and Tajay Sharp are unrestricted free agents. Alameda Zacchaeus and Christian Blake are restricted free agents that, you know, there seems to be a, a pretty good probability that they won't get tendered and might wind up becoming unrestricted as well, which means that Calvin Ridley, Frank Darby are the only two players uh, on the Falcons roster that are on the roster heading into 2022. If you don't count the two practice squad guys in Austin Trammell and Chad Hansen. Um, so I, I think, you know, depending on who you talk to, the notion that Calvin Ridley is a Falcon, you know, kind of fluctuates, right? There's a possibility that Calvin Ridley gets traded this offseason. Uh, and again, depending on who you talk to, some people might say it's even a probability that he's going to get traded to. So you're, you're going to have less talent uh, at the wide receiver position, potentially heading into the offseason, which means it's likely going to be a position of emphasis this offseason in, in free agency in the draft. However, what we're going to wrap up today's episode is I don't necessarily know if free agency and the draft are going to be as lucrative um, an avenue for the Falcons to address this position as maybe some people hope. And we'll get into exactly why that is as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. But before we get there, guys, um, you know, I want to thank you for making Locked on Falcons your first listen each and every day. And, you know, somebody's going to be headed on the road. It's not going to be locked on Falcons, but it's going to be Peacock and Williamson. The NFL show featuring Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson are heading on the road. They're heading to L.A. uh, next month for Super Week. So go check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show show today uh, to get the most comprehensive coverage of not only that game, but all the games and all the news in the lead up uh, to the big game. And of course, Peacock and Williamson is free and available on all all the same podcast platforms that you can find 
Locked On Falcons. But speaking on going onto the road, I know many of you uh, wind up, you know, spending a lot of money on gas whenever you hit the road. But now you can save money every time you visit the pump with a new app called Get Upside. Every time uh, when you use uh, the free Get Upside app, you get 25 cents back per gallon every time you fill up. No, there is not a catch. Get Upside is a free app that you can download on the App Store or on Google Play. And all you got to do is open up the app, uh, go to one of the thousands upon thousands of uh, gas stations in your area uh, to see which gas stations are eligible. You just head over there. You hit like two buttons on the app and you basically uh, get cash back uh, up to 25 cents back per gallon uh, on your GetUpside account that you can then use to deposit directly into your bank account, into your PayPal account. I like to use them for Amazon gift cards. And now when you use GetUpside, you can use our special promo code touchdown and you'll get a bonus 25 cents back on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents back per gallon. So download the get upside app, uh, use our special promo code touchdown. When you sign up, that's get upside promo code touchdown to start saving every time you fill up. So obviously, you know, the biggest factor for the Falcons moving forward this offseason at the wide receiver, that's going to be the biggest question mark entering the offseason is whether or not Calvin Ridley gets traded. And as I've said a number of times over the last month or two, I don't know if that's going to happen. If you listen to what Steve Weish and Mike Garofalo uh, are saying about it, they're predicting that Calvin Ridley uh, has is done, has played his last uh, games in Atlanta. I have no reason to doubt those folks. I have no reason to sit here and tell you that those people are predicting the future. It's sort of uh, up in the air, but you know, I'm sort of, it seems like we're heading in that direction uh, that Calvin really is not going to be an Atlanta Falcon. And, and then obviously the question after that, if that's the case and what do the Falcons get back for him? And I don't know that answer either guys. I'm not as optimistic as others that the Falcons are definitely going to get a first round pick. I don't know if teams are going to offer the Falcons a first round pick in general. I tend, again, I'm a, a glass half empty type of person, um, but I generally tend to be pessimistic about these things because you don't necessarily get what you think a player is worth on the trade market. You usually get a little bit less than that. Um, so my assumption is not a first round pick, but probably a day two pick. Um, you know, we'll just sort of see if the, if the Falcons can get more than that. You, you saw the rumblings from Jeremy Fowler last week on ESPN uh, where he talked to NFL executives and uh, basically asked him what his market could be. And one of those executives answered a conditional second. So it was a second round pick that could turn into a first round pick based off of Ridley's performance. But presumably that's Ridley's performance in the upcoming 2022 season. So you're not going to get that in the 2022 draft. It's going to be the 2023 draft. So presumably in the 2022 draft, that that's the case, and you're possibly getting a first or second round pick in the 2023 draft, then you're probably getting less than that in the 2022 draft is sort of my inference of that. But again, I don't know. Um, so we'll just sort of have to see how that goes. Again, it's all speculation at this point in time, but from my perspective, it seems to be more wishful thinking than anything uh, in terms of people hoping and expecting the Falcons get a first round pick uh, via trade for Calvin Ridley. But again, you can probably take that with a grain of salt because I also thought it was wishful thinking and Falcon fans being, you know, off their rockers when they were suggesting that the Falcons would get anything more than the fourth round pick two years ago when they traded 
created Muhammad Sanu. So again, what do I know? So we can obviously get deeper into that conversation, but there's not just a whole lot to say because there's nothing really concrete. We're just speculating at this point in time. And so until we get something a little bit more substantial to chew on, um, you know, beyond sort of the educated guesses of NFL network employees, we'll just sort of leave that aside and talk about it at a later date when we get more substantial information. But like, let's say you're losing Calvin Ridley. That means you're going to need to get a wide receiver one, or I guess technically a wide receiver two, because Kyle Pitts is going to be your wide receiver one. And no, I don't mean that because Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver masquerading as a tight end. The WR versus TE designation beside his name is inconsequential to that conversation. I'm talking about a receiver one, two, or three uh, based off of your role in the offense, which can typically be measured by a wide receiver one or receiver one gets eight to 12 targets per game. Number two gets five to eight targets per game and number three gets three to five and a number four gets one or two targets uh, per game. And when you look at this roster, particularly in a post Calvin Ridley uh, universe, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts is the most likely player to fill that number one receiver niche of getting those eight to 12 targets per game. If you look at Russell Gage's production this past year, he, pro- he you know, over the course of the season and in the second half of the season, his targets were more as a high end number two. Now, I think most of us would agree, despite Russell Gage producing at that level, he's probably ideally suited to be more of that number three guy that he was prior to that, where he's getting about three to five targets a game versus five to eight targets a game. So in that case, you know, if, if you're able to retain Russell Gage, uh, as well as Kyle Pitts and you lose Calvin really, then you probably at the very least need someone that can come in and give you five to eight targets uh, a game. So um, what I will say, though, is if you do wind up trading Calvin Ridley, I think that does dramatically increase the odds that you do wind up retaining Russell Gage. Um, You know, I feel like, you know, his ability to stay in Atlanta in 2022 is going to be based off of price tag. That's going to be the case for a number of free agents uh, that are about to hit uh, the potentially the open market. This all season across this Falcons roster. I think probably ideally you're looking at like a five to $8 million a year range for Russell Gage. If you can get him in that spot, I think that's a good deal uh, to keep Russell Gage. Anything more than that, I think you're probably pushing it a little bit. Um, and I think a lot of that is based off his production, not only in the second half of the season, but also in previous years as well. I think he's certainly earned a a contract in that sort of range. Um, Now, I'm sure many of you are hearing that number and say, oh, man, we can do way better than Russell Gage. He ain't worth that, blah, 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 blah. And look at all the free agents that are about to hit the open market. And there's a lot of big name free agent wide receivers that could potentially hit the market. You have Devontae Adams, of course, but he may get tagged. But other guys like Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, Michael Gallup are other names that potentially are free agents that are, are not expected to get tagged based off of what I'm hearing. You also have Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown. I don't think those guys can necessarily be on the Falcons radar, but certainly they're going to be some big names on the open market. But before you get too enamored with the Falcons, adding one of those big name free agents, I would warn you, I don't think it's likely because a, I think the cost to signing those guys is probably going to be out of the Falcons price range. Um, And B, 
even if you're sitting there saying, well, Godwin and, and Gallup aren't going to cost that much because you'll get a discount because they got hurt at the end of the season. But I think the fact that they got hurt at the end of the season makes it unlikely that the Falcons will pursue those guys because the timetable typically for recovering from ACL tears is about nine months, which means if you got hurt in December in late December and early January, like those two guys did, you're probably not going to be returning to practice until September. So once the season has started, and so you're not going to be able to practice until in season practices. And we know with Matt Ryan, historically, it takes the better part of, you know, a season uh, for him to get on the same page with his receivers. And again, you're not going to have any of the off season for that to sort of uh, get going. So when are you going to get impact from Godwin and Gallup types, November, December at the earliest. So I don't see why you would be particularly enamored with signing those guys, at least in terms of hoping that they would provide you short-term value in 2022. If you're signing those guys, you're really signing them uh, for 2023 and 2024. And then in that situation, you're probably not getting cheap deals because those guys, you would have to pay full price to sign them to multi-year contracts. So Uh, I say that, and I also would add that there, in general, there is a buyer's beware to signing free agent wide receivers. When you look at the past decade of the impactful wide receiver additions and acquisitions, they typically are trades, not free agent signings. Uh, One of the things I did before this episode to do some research was went all the way back to 2016 when we signed Muhammad Sanu and looked at all the wide receivers that signed with a new team. So not guys that resign with their old team uh, that for contracts, that lasted at least two years and were averaging at least 6 million a year. And I chose that figure because Sanu got basically uh six and a half million a year on the contract he got for the Falcons. So I, I basically said $6 million or above. So guys that made comparable money to Muhammad Sanu or more. Um, and then looked at their production in the first two seasons that they had with their respective team, mainly focusing on that year one production to sort of see what we could get out of those guys immediately in 2022. And certainly you can make the case that maybe I should also look at the one year contracts. I should also look at guys that signed for three, four or $5 million a year. And at a later date, as we get closer to free agency, I may wind up doing that um, to sort of see if that provides a little bit better bang for your buck. Um, But I have a graphic showing you that information on the research I did. So this is just another reason to subscribe to the illustrious locked on Falcons podcast here on YouTube so that you can see these graphics, but on your screen, you have 29 receivers over the past six off seasons that met that criteria. Hopefully you guys can see it. Uh, If you're looking at this on your phone, I apologize. Uh, You might have to blow this uh, image up on on your desktop or on your television if you're watching it on YouTube. But when you look at this, they're ordered by how many yards they had in year one. And there was only two guys that are thousand yard receivers uh, that, you know, signed these contracts and had a thousand yards in their first year with their new teams. That was Robbie Anderson in 2020 with the Panthers and John Brown in 2019 with the Bills. On average, when you look at these 29 players or, or when you look at their median targets um, in, in production, they had about 80 uh, targets, uh, 50 catches, 650 or so yards and about three touchdowns. That was sort of the median and, and the average is slightly below that. Now you compare that to what Russell Gage just gave us this past year, which was 94 targets, 66 catches, 770 yards and four touchdowns. And so if you set Russell Gage's numbers as your new benchmarks, um, you only see a handful of guys that um, 
you know, reach those benchmarks. If you're looking at the graphic on YouTube, the guys that either that match Russell Gage, their numbers are highlighted in yellow. The guys that exceeded Gage in these various uh, metrics and targets receiving yards and touchdowns are highlighted in green. And pretty much in all the categories, you're looking at a half dozen, about seven guys in each category that produced outproduced Russell Gage in any of these four areas. And when you look at guys that outproduce Russell Gage in all four areas, targets, catches, yards, and touchdowns, it's only really a handful of guys. It's John Brown, his 2019 teammate, Cole Beasley in Buffalo, Marvin Jones in 2021 with the Jaguars. Um, you also have uh, Jamison Crowder in 2019 with the Jets. You could potentially throw Robbie Anderson because he had more targets, receptions, and yards and, and one less touchdown to engage. And you could even throw in Robert Woods with the 2017 Rams who had less targets and receptions, but more yards and more touchdowns. So you're still only looking at like six or seven guys at most out of 29 that in their first year exceeded what Russell Gage gave the Falcons this past year. So you're looking at you know, basically a 20 to 25% hit rate among these 29 free agents that came in year one and outproduced what the Falcons just got out of Russell Gage. And when you look at the numbers in year two, you're not seeing a dramatic increase in the number of players in year two. So basically what this is telling you, that free agent is not an avenue to think uh, in most years uh, to uh, think that you're going to get a significant upgrade over what Russell Gage provided you. And then when you look at the six or seven guys that we're talking about in terms of how much money uh, they made and one of the figures that you look on the right side of this column is average or dollars per yard. And basically I took their annual per year average and divided it by how many yards they got to sort of basically look at how much guys were getting paid and across the 29 or so guys, um, you know, that was about $30,000 uh, per yard, but that was inflated somewhat by Curtis Samuel's disastrous 2021 year with the Redskins where he got paid over $11 million per year and only had 27 yards this year. If you look at the median, it was 16 point five thousand um so uh when you look at the six guys that outproduced gauge on average it was about nine thousand dollars uh per yard that they produced so when i look at gauge's numbers and i say okay he had 770 yards nine thousand dollars per yard that would be about seven million dollars per year so that's where you got that previous figure of like five to eight million dollars to me is a good range a good price tag for russell gauge uh, in terms of a bargain, anything more than eight million, I feel like you're stretching it uh, based off of his production. And so, basically, if if you're paying Russell Gage seven million dollars or less, and he's still giving you production like you've gotten these last two years of like, seven hundred seventy yards and seven eighty six in twenty twenty, you know, you're, uh, to me, you're getting a, a pretty good deal in far as that regard. But if you look at the average again, that sixteen thousand five hundred figure, uh, the median uh, number, that would mean based off of Russell Gage's production, you would have to pay a guy nearly $13 million a year on average uh, for your typical free agent to get comparable production to Russell Gage. And that to me is essentially a non-starter. So uh, we will end the graphic there for you guys. Obviously you can go back and pause the video if you want to get a deeper look at it. 
So for me, when I look at those numbers, I'm basically seeing a strategy where, you know, re-signing Russell Gage seems to be a very good bet for the Falcons. And probably rather than going out there and splurging in free agency on a free agent wide receiver, you re-sign Russell Gage and then hopefully you can fill the void uh, in the draft with a rookie. But then again, drafting a rookie is not necessarily a great strategy. Maybe you hit on the T Higgins, maybe you hit on a Chase Claypool on day two or something like that, uh, that can come in and right away and be productive for you. But you know, drafting a wide receiver is is not a great bet either, uh, because if you're looking for that true number one guy that can give you eight to 12 targets a game. So if we're looking at guys over the last couple of seasons uh, that have had 120 plus targets in their rookie seasons, the only three guys that have done that are Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. Again, I don't think it's likely that you're going to find another guy like that in this upcoming draft. I haven't seen a guy uh, so far that I would put on those guys' level quite yet. And then even if you lowered the threshold from 120 targets to 94 targets, um, you know, in terms of what guys can do as a rookie uh, in the league, uh, which is what Russell Gage had 94 targets this past year, since 2016, 13 rookie receivers have done it. 10 of them have done it in the last two years. So maybe that's an indicator that um, it's easier to get done, or maybe that's just an indicator that the last two drafts were much better at the wide receiver position uh, than people thought they would be. Um, but of those 13 rookies that have done that, that have exceeded 94 targets, uh, six of them were first round picks, five of them were second round picks. So that's 11 guys taken in the, in the first two rounds. That's a solid number. But then when you factor in that 53 wide receivers have been drafted over the last six drafts in the first two rounds, that's basically a 20% hit rate. So essentially what this is telling me, all of this is to sit here and say that over the next couple of months, you're going to hear me basically say things like, I think the best additions the Falcons can make this offseason at the wide receiver is not subtracting Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage. That I really do think those guys are going to give you more bang for your buck in 2022 at the wide receiver position than probably anybody that the Falcons will wind up adding, whether that's a free agent or a draft. That's not me saying that the Falcons shouldn't sign somebody in free agency. That's not me saying the Falcons shouldn't draft guys, but I'm sitting here saying, saying that if you're looking for that number one wide receiver, that number two wide receiver, or in our case, if Kyle Pitts is our number one, then you're looking for the number two and number three guys uh, to, to give you those eight plus or, or eight targets and, and, and five targets a game, then I think Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley are your best bets to be those guys. And if you're signing guys in free agency, you're signing guys knowing that you're probably not going to get that level of production that you got from Russell Gage this past year, nor the level of production that you think you're going to get from Calvin Ridley if he's back uh, and, and mentally ready to play football at the high level that we know he's capable of doing as well as, you know, if you draft the guy. So again, not saying that the Falcons shouldn't be looking to add players because again, if they wind up losing some of these guys, they are going to have to find options in the draft and free agency, whether we're talking about Ridley, whether we're talking about Gage, Zacchaeus, Tajay Sharp, Christian Blake as well. They're going to need bodies at that position. So I'm not anti-adding players at the receiver position, but I just think if you're sitting here thinking, oh, we can easily upgrade Ridley, we can easily upgrade Gage and free agency in the draft, I think you have another thing coming. Now, maybe the Falcons are the team that's the outlier that hit that has the 20% hit rate that we're talking about in free agency or, or in draft in terms of getting that year one impact. Um, but, you know, I think the odds are probably more likely that they will be 80%. But again, I'm a, I'm a glass half empty type of guy. So maybe you guys disagree with me on that. So we'll just sort of have to see how that goes. Um, with, you know, this uh, regime and whatnot. So um, that's going to do it for us, guys. 
Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot more to talk about as this offseason unfolds with Ridley and Gage and whatnot. And we can dig deeper in the numbers, particularly once we get into February and March and we can really start to focus on free agency. And I'll probably have some updated graphics uh, for you guys on some of the things that we talked about. But that's where we're going to do it and leave the conversation with the wide receiver group. Hopefully the Falcons can add more bodies, uh, but we'll just sort of have to see uh, if, you know, they are the team that drafting and signing the right guys, as opposed to the, the, the what the rest of the league is and, and kind of whiffing on those guys, uh, at least in year one. Now, the last thing I'll add, I'll say this. Now, if you're sitting here saying this, Aaron, but you're only talking about 2022, what about future years? And I would say, yeah, that's your, that's a valid point. If you're, if we're talking about maximizing what this team is going to add to the roster in 2022, you know, I don't know if the draft and free agency are going to be your best bet. Now they're going to probably add more to you in 2023, 2024 and beyond. And that's not a problem. But again, getting back to the point we've made time and time again, you know, are you trying to get the most out of Matt Ryan, what remaining years Matt Ryan has and trying to maximize what, however much time, you know, that ticking clock uh, in terms of Matt Ryan's time here in Atlanta, are you trying to maximize that? Because I don't know, you know, I'm saying basically Ridley and Gage are, are your best bets there, but if you don't care about maximizing the time remaining for Matt Ryan and you're just basically, he's a, he's a bridge quarterback. And you know, if he sinks or swim, who cares? It's all about building towards the future. Then, Free agency in the draft may be better pathways for the Falcons moving forward. So that's the last point I'll leave uh, on that front. We got it. We got it. You know, I, I don't think we're throwing Matt Ryan under the bus, but I'm just sitting here saying like, you know, that's the dilemma that the Falcons are going to be in moving forward at this position. And of course, if they wind up using, you know, early round picks on a wide receiver, that's position that's picks on that they can't use on other positions of need. So uh, that's also the dilemma that you've heard me talk about quite a bit on this podcast over the last several months. So that's where we're going to leave it guys. Probably tomorrow we'll be talking tight end positions. Uh, hopefully we'll have a guest on Wednesday. We might have to reshuffle the schedule if things change, but that's the plan right now. We'll get into Kyle Pitts. We'll get into Lee Smith. We'll get into Hayden Hurst, Jaden Graham and Parker Hesse. Of course, the incomparable Parker Hesse on tomorrow's episode when we do the year in review of the tight end position and talk all about Kyle Pitts and you know the hopes and dreams. I might sound pessimistic about this wide receiver group, but I'm much more optimistic about that tight end group moving forward. So we'll get into that on tomorrow's episode. If you guys have any feedback that you want to provide on anything I discussed on today's episode, if you want to sit here and and send me angry emails being like, Aaron, you got to use a bigger font on these graphics, man. I can't see any of this stuff. Then by all means, hit me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons on uh, Facebook at Lockdown Falcons. You can send that angry email to Lockdown Falcons at mail.com, or you can leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel and say, man, that font is terrible. You got to get bigger than, I think I was like using 11 font. You, you got to get 18 or something, Aaron, you, you, you're killing us with the, with these graphics. So let me know all about that guys and provide that feedback but I appreciate it. And uh, we'll get into all of that in future episodes. And in the meantime, why not check out the Lockdown Braves, Lockdown Hawks, the Lockdown Bulldogs as your second listen, as well as a Lockdown Bets podcast where handicapping expert Lee Sterling is giving you his daily picks, his blowout specials, and of course, his lock of the day each and every day on the Lockdown Bets podcast, free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you can find Lockdown Falcons. Appreciate it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the uh, divisional round weekend. Some great games there. Don't have any comments other than just like, hey, man, football's fun. This is what football's all about. And 
unfortunately, we're all stuck watching the Falcons rather than some of these great teams that we got to see uh, this weekend. Hopefully the Falcons will get there one day and we will be able to have the entertainment that, you know, Bills fans and Chiefs fans and uh, 49ers and Packers and Rams fans. Of course, my Rams are still on the path uh, to Super Bowl success, but we'll see all about that. They're playing a home game uh, in a couple of weeks. So. All that can be covered, of course. You can check it out on the Peacock and Williamson podcast. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed this weekend. I hope you have a great week. Till then.